Welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western, Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Josh Horowitz from 5 Minutes of Trouble, 5 Minutes of Bonsai, and 12 Chimes It's Midnight, and my co-host is the talented writer, actor, and filmmaker whom I've had the pleasure of working with for over 30 years after Silverado came out, Mr. Brett Stillo. Well, thank you, Josh Horowitz. Yes. What an introduction. Oh, I, I love doing those intros. I feel as though I have to work for the next 30 years to match all those nice things you said about me. And uh, what, ladies and gentlemen at home listening to this podcast, what an introduction. <laughs> if you've been enjoying the Silverado Minute, that was a fantastic, fantastic introduction. Uh, no, I also feel like maybe buying a Chevy truck and, and changing my toothpaste. So, <laughs> well done, well done, and it's it's just I can't say it enough. This is wonderful to be working with you again, my friend. Yeah, and yeah, it it does feel like we've been doing this for thirty years. Well, we we have definitely been doing podcasting for a good while. I think since two thousand sixteen. Yeah, if you were to line up all our podcasts, it would reach several miles into outer yeah. space. <laughs> truth, truth, if you actually measured podcasts. But <laughs> thankfully, we don't. What we do is we cover one minute of this movie, Silverado, at a time. And let's let's start, let's go back up a little bit. Josh, let me ask you, Yes. Uh, growing up, uh, what was, uh, what's your, your background with Silverado and Westerns in general. I think that it really, you, you mentioned it before, the Chevy truck was my first exposure to the, <laughs> at least the name Silverado. I, I didn't even know yeah. it was a movie uh, when I was growing up. Uh, though, as, as I'll mention perhaps later, there, I, I may have had a, a small association with this film kind of unknowingly. But, uh, but, but, but no, actually perhaps. my first exposure, I would say, to the film was uh, back when I went to UCLA uh, there was a freshman film class, a film music class, actually, that uh, I, I took back in the 90s. And they were going over all sorts of different music soundtracks. And one of the songs happened to be Bruce Broughton's theme to Silverado. And, you know, along with a bunch of other Western themes, you know, Morricone type stuff. And, uh, and I mean, mm -hmm. I heard it. I thought it was neat. I felt that it was really rooted in the 1980s. It, in fact, I, I couldn't stop but... Uh, think about the song uh, that Neil Diamond does, you know, the Coming to America song, because there's a couple of notes in there where, where <laughs> yeah. you hear that in the Silverado theme. Da, na, 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 na. Bum, bum, ba, dum. We're coming to America. Well, that's it. Yeah. That's all I can hear now. <laughs> Everybody's got to hear that. Uh, but but I, I didn't see the movie and until then. I, I rented it on Netflix and I thought it was neat. I, I didn't realize how closely associated it was with the uh, films I was very familiar with, Indiana Jones and Star Wars, because of Lawrence Kasdan. I just thought it was a, a fun Western movie that happened to have a bunch of celebrities I knew from other films. Yeah, it had, yeah. It know. had Scott Glenn from The Right Stuff. It had Kevin Kline, who was in A Fish Called Wanda. 
Even John Cleese was in it for crying out loud. Oh, you know, I mean that that's coming up, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. There's a John Cleese, Kevin Klein connection. So this this could be a considered a prequel to a first called a Frisch, a Frisch called Runda. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going back to broadcasting school. But yeah, I mean, and, and of course, you know, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, Kevin Costner from Field of Dreams. I mean, there was a whole bunch of celebrities here. And I was thinking, well, how did I not hear about this film? Uh, but yeah. that that's my main exposure. What about you? Uh, I, let's see, I remember reading uh, in a movie magazine about the, you know, the summer of 85 was going to be the return of the Western to the big screen in a hmm. big way, because the other movie uh, that came out oh shortly before this was Clint Eastwood's first Western in about nine years. Uh, Which one was that? Drifter. Wait, I, uh, I just, I had the title and it just pale writer. That's oh, it. Cause he was pale in writer. sudden impact around the same time, but that wasn't a Western. No, not although, you know, I think uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, we've done podcasts about two movies that I think have some strong Western themes. Mm. So I think in the eighties, uh, this might be something we'll talk about throughout the week. I think in a way Westerns were being made, but they would, you know, they were being updated to science fiction settings mm. like a star Wars. I mean, and the, the Western overtones in that are pretty strong, mm. uh, cop movies. Right. Uh, and, but this was, this was a true return to the western horses mm -hmm. six shooters hats and all that jazz and so yeah i remember seeing uh the trailer for it which was very mysterious hmm. or more of a teaser than a trailer but it just featured payden's hat huh. uh sort of blowing in in the middle of uh nowhere um but yeah i mean the western this this movie is is kind of important for me as a, a film lover, because up until this movie, I didn't like Westerns. Really? I thought, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's, it's kind of a timing thing. It's a generational thing. Uh, I thought they were rather boring. And, hmm. uh, did you think they were formulaic? Uh, they, there's, they seem to be super somber in tone. Uh -huh. when you think about say, uh, a few years before the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Right. Which has kind of a bummer ending for a fun movie. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, the movie, the Westerns of the 60s, so many of them seem to be saying the Western is over. It's dead. Huh. Uh, that's it for the Wild West. Uh, and, I, you know, here was a movie that I think we would agree is wall-to-wall -wall fun. Hmm. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's it to me. It's kind of a return to uh, a much earlier Western, maybe even a, a 1930s Western like Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland in Dodge City. Hmm. You know, it's good guys versus bad guys. And there there isn't a whole lot of uh, morality in between. It's just um, yeah. so this one really this was a novel concept for me. It was like, wait, Westerns are fun. <laughs> It's not some metaphor for the end of a American idealism. It's like good guys and bad guys and Saturday matinees. Aha. So this really triggered uh, a bit of a quest for me to find other great Westerns. Ah. Uh, this we're you know, it's the 1980s. So we're in the, you know, the video rental 
uh, world. And so I started to watch other Westerns like The Searchers and Red River and The Magnificent Seven. Uh And uh, that was really for the next three or four years where I really started to appreciate this genre that goes back, heck, to Thomas Edison. Yeah, that's (laughs) right. The Great Train Robbery was one of the first uh, of the early films, wasn't it? Definitely, yeah. definitely. You know, some I think some historians do sort of cite that as the first movie, and I mean, it definitely had a narrative flow. But then, you know, um, wasn't there that movie where all it is is the guy just shooting at the camera? I think that's the beginning of the Great Train Robbery. Without looking at IMDb or, or Wikipedia, maybe that was from that. that, that was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that. But yeah, that that was. You know, I think that's 1911, huh. maybe sooner. You know, we're not looking it up. We're being honest, <laughs> but that's that's a pretty memorable moment. Yeah, uh, I can only imagine what. Nickelodeon audiences thought of that. But, hmm. but uh, that being said, that's our prologue for today. Yes. We, we, we have a movie to talk we about. We do. A minute to talk and about. this is minute 11. We're doing early minutes this time. <laughs> yeah. And it looks like minute 11 starts with a boy informing his mother about a grown man wearing long johns and a gun running into the street. And it <laughs> ends with two letters uttered by Brian Dennehy. Two letters uttered by Brian Dennehy. And mm-hmm. this... Uh, let me let me jump in and say this might be my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, you you really like this one? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We have we have Peyton running out in his long underwear. That's mm-hmm. not what I like about it. <laughs> uh, and we have uh, a a nameless bandit charging at him on horseback, and Peyton's desperately trying to load that old clunker pistol of his, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, this to me has, you know, you know, I was saying this is a fun Western, a bit of a revelation for me. And this scene, I feel, harkens back to another movie that Lawrence Kasdan worked on a few years before. And which one was that? Oh, it, 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark, perhaps? Ah, yes, we will, we will talk about the possible parallels with this scene and a certain uh, scene in a deserty like environment i think yes yes yeah. there's a you know there's a parallel here that's uh you know it's it's very action oriented and there's a little bit of suspense mm-hmm. um but uh yeah and you know you mentioned you know you so Peyton runs out and there's 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 the little boy the who, little I think boy yes who says what does he say does he say look ma look ma yeah, Ooh. and and here's the interesting thing, and I, I hadn't thought about this until I watched this again. I'm like, wait a minute. So I was a child actor when I was younger. I had, I mean, moderate success. It was in a couple of little TV show things here. I was in a, a, a feature film. But I auditioned for lots of stuff, and I seem to recall I would have been about eight years old at the time that they were casting for this. And I, I seem to recall trying out for a part in a Western and it was something like this, where the the only line was basically, look, Ma. And when I see the kid in this scene, I'm thinking, oh, my mm-hmm. God, that, that kid looks just like I did back when I was eight. It's the, the, the hairstyle, that's kind of like bowl haircut thing going on and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that could have been me, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it, it could have been you. And you could have spent, uh, you know, it's an it, interesting side note, you know, that sort of looks, you know, a lot of times we, we in this movie, we have characters and coats so i'm imagining it's it's winter time in new mexico right but uh yeah you you could have you know had a had a a tutor on set and you could have said look ma and (laughs) uh you know and you could have seen kevin klein in his long underwear but uh (laughs) don't feel bad 
that you didn't get this part because this part eventually went to uh, a young actor whose last name happened to be Kasdan. Really? Yeah, that's, I believe, <laughs> uh, both Jake and Jonathan Kasdan are in this. Jonathan is listed as, as Boy at Outpost. Ah. So uh, it's, it's likely this is uh, Jonathan Kasdan, who I believe is the younger brother of screenwriter-director Jake Kasdan. Huh. So, hey, you know, he, you know, he had the director's ear. And didn't Jake Kasdan work on one of the later Star Wars movies with uh Yeah, Jake Kasdan, yeah, Jake Kasdan uh worked on the screenplay for Solo. Uh-huh. Hmm. And uh you know, very you know, look them up on IMDb. I I can we say that can I say this again? <laughs> look them up on IMDb <laughs> and you'll see uh you know, maybe a little spoonful of hollywood nepotism there but uh yeah you you hmm. lost the the part to a casden so you were i mean i guess it's what okay could you do it's okay it's okay <laughs> but that's i mean top that folks hmm. my co-host could have been in silverado i could have been could have should have you tried out for silverado yeah uh did, did you try out for any other parts uh around this time uh I, i'm trying to think i remember trying out for uh, the sequel to the Never Ending Story, Never Ending wow. Story Two, and I got a call back. It was between me and a couple of others. I, I think in the end, uh, who who's the guy? Jonathan Brandis, I think, ended up getting that part. And it would have involved traveling to Greece and Turkey. It would have been a whole big thing, but wasn't meant to be. But that's oh, okay. Wow. I'm uh, I, I had a good run when I when I had it, and, and I, I'm having a pretty decent run now doing voiceovers. So I'm happy with that's true. How things so turned out. That's, you know, you're, you're still in the game, yeah. <laughs> which is very cool. It's very cool. And, um, we should, yeah, folks, when you get a chance, look at, look at, uh, Josh's IMDB credits. <laughs> you've done some good stuff, including my favorite, the Star Wars commercial. That might be cooler than being in Silverado. Yeah. You did a, a, a Kenner Star Wars commercial. Yeah. That, that one you'd have to look up on YouTube or Kenner Toys, uh, uh, was it Return of the Jedi uh, coins commercial? And you'd, you'd see me outside of a window saying, wow. <laughs> the coins. Yes. The coins. But back to uh, this, back to this movie. Yes. We must. Uh, <laughs> one note I had about this scene, uh, just based on the way they're dressed. I mean, yes, it's cold, but uh, I mean, is this supposed to be the old West or is it Moscow? Because I mean, look, even though all the women in this scene seem to be wearing these babushka outfits. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, they, they, I, or I, I thought, you know, are, are they arriving on the Mayflower? Yeah. Uh, you know, this, this Western, you're assuming it's the, you know, the end of the 19th century, but they, you know, they never really, you don't get a, a time. You don't exactly get a place. Uh, and, you know, they're, you know, it's a, it's a big, broad Western that's trying to, I think, hit a lot of marks. But yeah, occasionally you, you see something like, yeah, the women with their bonnets, which... Yeah doesn't quite ring out as like, you know, latter half of the Victorian era. Mm. Just little, there's little tiny things where, you know, like another, you know, the wagon train Mm -hmm. later in the movie. I mean, you were, you know, were there, I don't think, you know, to me, wagon trains happen, you know, earlier. There were probably were lesser wagon trains later on. But anyway, it's yeah, I mean, I think movie. of like uh, you know the the Oregon Trail 
Yeah. <laughs> from yeah. the Apple game yeah. I played so long ago with the covered wagons. I mean, I think that there was like 1840s, go. 1850s. Yeah, yeah. The the yeah. the you some of your classic covered wagon adventure story. You know, the Donner Party. Right. That's a fun one. Mm. That's you know, 1840s, 1850s. Yeah. Sort of prior to the Civil War. I do think though that we we are going to get some hints that maybe sets the timeline for us based on things we're going to see in in some of the scenes coming up. So stay tuned. Kind of the fun of the westerns is. It's you have all these elements, uh, but you know it's it's kind of all jumbled into a, you know, a nondescript time. It's just it's after the Civil War. Yeah, enough said. Yeah, the West, old West, the West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Payton, uh, you know, Payton is shot at while wearing uh, his long johns. While wearing his long johns, a <laughs> um, it's kind of a staple for westerns. I think we're going to talk about long johns throughout the week. Yes. Or, or as they're sometimes known, the union suit. Oh, I hadn't heard that one. That's another one. Yeah, the union suit. Huh. But, uh, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the cowboy reduced to his long underwear. Yeah. I think you see that quite a bit in movies. And he's, uh, have you ever, have you ever, uh, you've ridden a horse, right? I have. Not often, have but ever, yes. <laughs> have you ever fired a gun while riding on a horse? No, not yet. <laughs> I think I think it's it's uh it's pretty pretty accurate that this guy's galloping and his his shots kind of go wild. And you know, fortunately for Payton, um it the, the the one shot that comes closest, you know, passes sort of below the target in his long underwear. Mm, yes, the uh the groin attack. <laughs> yeah. The near miss. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, before we get to that, though, I just want to want to note one thing because we do see the sort of far shot where uh, his enemy is on the horse, and we see the building behind, and it's not a saloon; it happens to be a cantina. And I felt that ah. that was interesting, maybe a nod to Star Wars, perhaps. I'll bet you, though, you know that the the word cantina does you know come up in westerns mm-hmm. but yeah you know i think the the time and the place and the people making the movie it, it might have been um hi george <laughs> hey george how you doing we're making a western out here in new mexico uh but yeah you know that uh i i, I will say that one of my favorite western songs uh, el paso by Mar- marty robbins which came out i think around 62 63 mm. that it, it's set at rosa's cantina aha uh-huh. But that's a Texas border town. Mm. But yeah, Cantina. We'll 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 uh, we'll acknowledge the Star Warsiness. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to talk about the 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 between the legs view and 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 then the grin attack thing. I mean, that's a very <laughs> classic uh, classic shot. I mean, I, I guess if you look at uh, like the poster for for High Noon, you know, you'll, you'll see that, and you know, mm-hmm. all the westerns, even up to. Uh, Heck, even the Muppet movie has a <laughs> one of those between the leg <laughs> shots of Kermit the Frog. Um, you know, I think that one of the interesting things here is is that I, I don't think there's ever been a scene where you see them with their long underwear when they do this, and not a shot that happens through the legs quite like that. This, yeah, this could be groundbreaking in that regard. <laughs> you know, taking you know, exploiting the fact that you, yeah, you have the droopy drawer uh design in the back and they sort of sag and um there you have it a mm. near miss yeah and we, we don't actually see the bullet hole visible from the front i mean i guess it's probably better that we don't know exactly how close it got yeah i i, I, I think it's i think it creates <laughs> some you know we 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 know 
we know exactly the trajectory and you know how close we're talking and um mm. yeah it's yeah he there you go he's he's got some ventilation <laughs> and i guess he keeps that throughout the whole movie too assuming he doesn't buy new long underwear well we'll we'll throw that back uh <laughs> fans and followers you know we ask the question does Payton keep this pair of long underwear through the whole? I, I would assume, yeah, you know, <laughs> since we're we're gonna deal with this long underwear through for most of this week, um, as it turns out. Uh, but uh, but he holds his ground the whole time. I mean, yeah. he doesn't, and and that's his character, as we'll see throughout the whole movie. I mean, nothing seems to phase him. He never like bolts. He will stand his ground, even yeah. in the worst situations. You know, I mean, he's yeah. he's he's bad, man. <laughs> and there, you know, so. Something I'll, I'll like to introduce to everybody here, and that is Cowboy Superhero Cool. Yeah. And that is, uh, you know, he, he ta- you see he takes his time putting that cartridge into the chamber, spinning it, knows exactly what to do. Uh, there's kind of a, a similar bit at the end of A Fistful of Dollars hmm. where uh, uh, Clint Eastwood has, you know, it's that one has the, the classic setup of, between the man with the pistol and the man with the rifle. <laughs> and uh, Clint Eastwood and his opponent each have one bullet. Yep. And so part of the duel involves loading the bullet and being, you know, having to keep your cool, grabbing the bullet, loading it, and cocking your gun and aiming. <laughs> so, yeah, he, it's, yeah it's, a, it's a cowboy superhero skill. Yeah. And, of course, with that one bullet, you know, we saw the bad guy, an inferior person, fire many rounds. Granted, he's like I said, he's on horseback. Those shots are going to go wild. But, you know, again, cowboy superhero cool. One shot. That's right. Good night. Goodbye. And and what other Lawrence Kasdan film does the hero take one shot against a uh, an enemy who sort of has the drop on him? Uh, the Big Chill. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I spoiled it earlier. You probably, you folks probably already tuned out. But yeah, I mean, this is very similar to the swordsman scene right. in the market square in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right. Uh, very, you know, um, yeah. And I feel like, you know, in this movie, uh, it was, I think it was trying to be sort of have some of that Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, energy to it. Uh, but, uh, but for a Western, you know, part of the fun of this movie is there are a lot of cool gags and stunts involving pistols and rifles hmm. and, um, Again, it's it's cowboy superhero cool. Yeah. Uh, let me let me use my bullet to send a message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things like that. There, you know, it's uh, like I said, it's kind of like a superpower. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very. I think it's very similar to uh, the scene in the town square. Which, depending on on who you talk to, it was you know, as you know, if you know the story, uh, Harrison Ford had a horrible case of dysentery. In, yes, in I've heard that. So I, I had read one, you know, long ago I read, you know, or Kazan had written that bit. Um, or maybe, you know, the, as you recall, you know, the, uh, you know, he, he definitely did the first draft where they're supposed to have a great whip versus sword fight. Yes. Um, but, you know, one thing that is clear is neither the swordsman nor Indiana Jones were in uh, long underwear. <laughs> True that. True that. So, uh, so yes, he's he's vanquished his foe, and you know, I, you, you is that it? No, there's there's a bit more here. 
That's right. It doesn't just end and he walks off into the sunset. There's actually repercussions for it. You you see the dead body and now the the uh, the authorities are here. Yeah. And in this case, the authorities happen to be the U.S. Cavalry. Yeah. I mean, they seem to be the police here. And and I, I believe, Brett, you, you know something about the actor who plays the sergeant here. The sergeant who has that great... Uh, well, I mean, before that, you have, you know, uh, one of the best lines in the movie uttered by Kevin Klein, can't you see this horse loves me? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, spoken without a, a tinge of irony. And the horse does love him. In fact, it, what, real quick, what would you say? I, I am assuming that uh, someone sprayed or applied something on Kevin Klein's face. <laughs> to I don't think that's a good horse actor. I think that horse uh, is in love with whatever they put on uh, Kevin Klein's face. <laughs> That that brings up a memory right now. Um, oh. So I, I was I was in a, a motion picture. It was called The Wrong Guys. It came out in 1988. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that film, I was supposed to be a Cub Scout. And there's a scene where the dog is supposed to be basically under the table, licking between my legs. Okay. <laughs> and in order to get that to happen in that scene, they smeared peanut butter basically all over the seat. And that's how the dog was able to, to like, go at it. So okay. I wonder, yes, uh, did they smear, I don't know, sugar cubes, uh, carrot juice on, on Kevin Klein? Yeah, some, <laughs> you know, some magical mixture for horses. You know, probably, you know, probably a horse wrangler will tell you, oh, yeah, we, we always use this, um, you know. <laughs> Ode de Hay or something like that. But. Well, I, I think we can agree, though, that this is probably the only film where we get to see Kevin Klein making out with a horse. Yeah. And he's I, I, I hope he, he was a good sport about it because, I mean, the horse does, <laughs> you know, that horse, horse wants to bite his face off, really. Uh, but then, then we have this, yes, we have the sergeant. Yes. Uh, who's, you know, a good rustic kind of character and he has that great line about uh how does it go exactly josh about, well you know? it was something like the uh you know well you know i, I had a, a girl who said the same thing about me that didn't make her my wife yeah 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 it's a, just such punchy dialogue in this movie well that, that actor is is veteran character actor sheb woolley sheb woolley where sheb have i heard woolley. that name before where have you heard that name before well sheb woolley today is best known for two landmark moments in pop culture history. Number one, uh, Sheb recorded that Monster Kid classic, the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people leader in 1958, which rose to number 12 because ah. uh, Sheb was a, an actor and a singer. Versatile guy. That's uh, right. But to this audience and fellow podcasters in the movie by Minute Realm, you would know Sheb Woolley for this. Ah! Oh, get the ah! out of here. Yes. That is Sheb Woolley uh, is the, is the, he is credited as the voice of the Wilhelm scream when he appeared in the huh. 1951. Uh, I can't ah! believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the, the, he, uh, Ben Burt, who is, you know, the world's greatest living authority on the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, you know, from all his research, it was Sheb Woolley who was in uh, that movie in 1951. He, Sheb was not actually eaten by a crocodile nor attacked by Indians. But uh, yeah, and, and apparently, you know, like 
you know, Sheb would, you know, when you would ask him about his career, yeah, yeah, I did a lot. I screamed a lot in, in, in Westerns. That's, I got most of my jobs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And it, like even Sheb's widow apparently was like, yeah, yeah, that, that was him on the, that was him doing the scream. So wow. can you imagine how they must've handled that VO session? I mean, what, what uh, do they tell him? You know, like, oh, oh now, now, okay, now, now, Sheb, just, just imagine you, you, you're getting eaten by crocodiles. Uh, okay, ten crocodiles. Uh, oh, 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 and Indians. Yeah, th- uh, you're getting eaten, eaten by all of them. Now go. <laughs> well, you, you're. I mean, you're, you're, you're a director. Would just was that? Would that be your approach, or would you do something? Um, would you force Sheb to wear long underwear, <laughs> and then fire a gun at that region, just missing him? <laughs> Ah! Yeah, exactly. You know, I believe there's there's actually like three or four alternate takes of the Wilhelm that's that's also out there. <laughs> really? I, I remember hearing at one point there was like Wilhelm 2, Wilhelm 3. <laughs> you don't wow. hear the other ones as often, but sometimes. Wow. I, I, now, I, now I need to go in search of Wilhelm 2 and Wilhelm 3. I, I like the fact that we have a Scream trilogy, so to speak. <laughs> so to speak. Um but yeah, there you have it, folks. We, fate and the universe granted us uh, the Sheb Woolley moments in this movie. So we are we are as close as we can get face-to-face with the man who gave us, once again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Excellent. We're going to have fun editing that one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I, I think there's only one thing that can, that can top Sheb Woolley. And that is your friend and mine, Brian Dennehy, who oh, appears yeah. for a little bit in this scene. We're definitely going to talk about him in the next episode where he uh, he really gets to uh, shine. But but yeah, Brian Dennehy as Cobb starts to spell. Yeah, he, it's it's a great cliffhanger for a movie by minute episode because mm-hmm. he says the first two letters of Peyton's name, and I mean we don't know how it's spelled. There could be a Y in there, or he he might be spelling out Paulson. Paulson, yeah, or Patrick, yeah. Patrick, yeah. But uh, you know, you'll have to tune in tomorrow to find <laughs> out. It's a big, it's a cliffhanger. Mm. P A, and then the minute ends. Yes. So he he could be saying P A as in personal assistant. <laughs> P A, which uh, maybe he had, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a great entrance by Brian. Then, and you're right. We'll we'll talk about him more uh, yeah. over the course of the week. But he. He's one. One thing is fun about Brian. He seems to be having fun as the bad guy throughout the whole movie. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like he's sort of like uh, maybe this. You know, maybe this was a uh, you know a childhood dream of his because hmm. he's you, when you think about him as the sheriff in uh, uh, say First Blood mm-hmm. when he's just mean and he's, he's sort of you know we like happy bad guys and this is a happy bad guy. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Uh, anything else for minute eleven? No, let's let's leave him on a cliffhanger and and uh, and do our sign off here. Absolutely, P A. That's right. Well, okay. So you can find the Silverado Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site SilveradoMinute.com. Social media is available at the Midnight Star, the Silverado Minute Listeners Saloon on Facebook. And on Twitter at Silverado MXM. So that's it then. Please join us here next time on the Silverado Minute. And I guess we're supposed to say yeehaw together. Yeehaw! Oh, we did that well. Yeah, Wilhelm, Wilhelm, Wilhelm. Wilhelm, Wilhelm. Well timed. <laughs>